Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel according to Luke, Luke chapter 5. And up until this point in the Gospel, especially chapters 4 and 5, Luke has been telling us about the Lord Jesus' ministry around Galilee. He's announced his mission in Nazareth where he was rejected by his people. And then he's gone around the towns and villages of Galilee uh, doing wonders and signs and healing and much teaching. And that brings us then to chapter 5, verse 17, where we begin our reading this morning. On one of those days, as Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And they said to him, The disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, Can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be first, sorry, must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, desires new, for he says, The old is good. 
Let's read again our text, which also comes from Luke chapter 5. It's a passage we just read. Let's read it again together. Luke 5, verse 27 to 32. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. After hearing uh, the sermon, we'll sing together from hymn 81. Well, dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, every good story usually has also a bad guy or a villain in it. And often authors will base their villains on stereotypes of certain types of people from real life. And now if the Jews in Jesus' time had written books with villains in them, or the tax collector would have been chosen as a villain probably pretty often. The tax collectors were some of the most despised members of the Jewish community. And this was because the Jewish tax collector was seen as a collaborator with the Romans, those occupying enemies that were ruling the land of Israel at this time. The tax collector collected taxes on behalf of these occupiers. And under the Roman tax system, a tax collector could charge the local population whatever fees He wanted to on top of the taxes. So the reality was that tax collecting was a corrupt and a crooked industry. Tax collectors would charge exorbitant fees to the people who were coming and going from the cities. And these fees would line their own pockets. And so in the eyes of most, a tax collector was little better than a thief and a robber. But what was worse, especially in the eyes of God-fearing Jews, was that the tax collectors were actually seen as immoral people. That's because they regularly broke the law of Moses, both by working on the Sabbath and being constantly in contact with unholy Gentiles. And so all in all, there were few people in Roman Judea and Galilee more despised than the tax collector. And knowing this little bit about tax collectors, well, it helps us to see that what Jesus does in our text in calling Levi is radical. And the Lord knows this himself. He chooses to call Levi knowing the controversy it will cause, knowing the eyebrows it will raise. The Lord Jesus calls sinful, broken and unrighteous Levi Because this is exactly what he has come to do. Verse 32, Jesus says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is why Jesus came. He came to call people like Levi. He came to call people like you and me, lost, broken, and sinful souls who could be saved by no one other than the Son of God himself. 
So this is what we want to see together this morning, that the Lord Jesus reveals that he has come to call sinners to repentance. And there's three parts of this passage we want to look at together. Firstly, the tax collector's faith. Secondly, the Pharisee's complaint. And finally, the Savior's mission. So in chapters 4 and 5 already, Luke has been busy showing how Jesus' ministry continues to grow and spread. The Lord Jesus has demonstrated many times already who he is. He's the Messiah. And as Luke continues relating the history of Jesus' ministry, he reveals more and more about what kind of Messiah Jesus is. In the preceding verses of chapter 5, we read the account of Jesus healing the paralytic man. But it's not just that Jesus makes a lame man walk that is startling about this passage. It's also that in verse 20, we see Jesus forgiving the man his sin. So Luke shows clearly that Jesus is not just some guru uh, healing the sick and the demon-possessed. Now his work, his greater work, happens at the spiritual level, happens at the heart level. He's come to call people to repent and find forgiveness in him. And knowing this then is helpful background for this passage we're looking at this morning. In verse 27 we read that after this, after the healing of the paralytic, the Lord Jesus is on the move again. And while he travels out from the house where he was teaching, he sees someone. And who does he see? Well, he sees a man named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And who's this guy called Levi? Well, Levi is, of course, a tax collector. He's one of those hated and despised traitors of the people. And what is Levi doing? Well, presumably, he's at work. He's busy collecting tolls and taxes from begrudging locals as they come and go from the city. And now Levi is actually a really interesting character, isn't he? Because we know from the other Gospels and also from later in Matthew that Levi is also known by another name. He's also named Matthew. The same Matthew who writes a gospel, his own account of the Lord Jesus' ministry. And so Levi, he eventually becomes one of the 12 apostles, one of the closest and most trusted followers of the Lord Jesus. One of the men who would go out filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to proclaim Jesus' death and resurrection. One who would go out proclaiming the need to repent and to believe in Jesus. But this picture of a godly and a faithful apostle of the Lord, it's not who Levi always was. Now, this is what we learn here from our text this morning. You know, that Levi was as close to scum That's harsh language, but it's true. He was as close to scum in the eyes of most of his fellow countrymen as anybody could be. And why was that? Well, it's because he's a tax collector. He's one of these extortionate, unclean, treacherous tax collectors. And yet, and yet, it is this man that the Lord Jesus calls to follow him. Verse 27 After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. The Lord Jesus saw Levi. Literally, it means that he singled Levi out. 
The Lord Jesus purposefully chooses this man, this hated and despised tax collector, to follow him. As we've already seen, this is a shocking and radical thing for Jesus to do, to call a sinner like Levi. But is it really that shocking? Isn't this who our God is? Isn't this what he's all about? If we think right back to the beginning, to Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve fell into sin, what did Adam and Eve do? Well, they went and hid, didn't they, from God? They were so frightened and ashamed. But what did God do? Well, Genesis 3, verse 9, But the Lord God called to the man, the holy and awesome and, and sinless creator, he came and walked in the garden, in search of his sinful, fallen creatures, knowing what they had done. And he called out to them. In his grace, he sought them. And you know, the Son of God does exactly the same here. God doesn't change. Jesus seeks Levi and he calls him. The Lord shows exactly what he's come to do. Yes, he's come to heal. Yes, he's come to teach. But at the heart of it, what he came to do is much greater. He came to redeem, to die for the sins of fallen humanity and to call sinners to himself to find forgiveness and salvation in him. And to believe in him. And this is exactly what Levi, by the grace of God, does. He hears the call of the Lord. What does verse 28 tell us? And leaving everything, Levi rose and followed Jesus. Levi responds in faith. He leaves everything, even his his very lucrative government job with all its perks. He leaves his old life with all its sin and all its uncleanness and all its brokenness and he follows Jesus. What we want to see, congregation, is what grace this is of God. That someone like Levi, with his background, should believe in God and follow Jesus. But Levi doesn't do this on his own terms, does he? No, he's been sought out and he's been called by the Saviour. It's God who's orchestrated this whole amazing and and gracious scene. And what an encouragement then for us also this morning, isn't it? No sinner is too sinful. No brokenness too great. No past too black for our Savior to overcome. He calls sinners to come. He calls sinners to follow and he gives the grace for them to do that. So if you're troubled by the sins of your past this morning, or you're troubled by the sins that you're struggling with, maybe even at the moment, then know who our Savior is. He's the one who seeks to save the lost, the one who calls, and the one who gives the power of the Spirit so that his people can follow him. But not everybody's happy with who Jesus is and what he's come to do. And that's what we want to see now, the Pharisees' complaint. 
You know, Levi is so thankful for what God has done for him. He's so amazed at this grace that has been shown to him that he throws a big banquet for Jesus. And who's all invited? Well, Jesus is, of course, the guest of honor. And accompanying him are his disciples. But there are others there as well. Verse 29, And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. So what Levi's done is he's invited all his old tax collector chums, all his friends from town, all those other people ostracized and rejected by larger society to come and to meet Jesus. And likely that's because he wants them also to know who Jesus is and to follow him. And what happens here in Levi's house is incredible when we think about it. Here are those who the religious institutions of the day, we could even say the church of the day, have written off as a lost cause. Here are those with the scandalous and the shady pasts. He probably have never darkened the door of a synagogue. And they're sharing food and drink with who? With the Son of God. Well, isn't that an amazing picture of the grace of our God? The Lord Jesus doesn't ask us to come having made ourselves clean and bright and pure before us. We can't do that, can we? No, he seeks us out in our sin and our brokenness and he fellowships with sinful people so that they might hear his message and believe in him. This fellowship that the Lord Jesus has with the down and out, well, it's scandalous to the religious elite. It's actually offensive to the Pharisees and the scribes that were part of the Pharisee faction. We don't know exactly how the Pharisees and their scribes came to know about this banquet. Maybe they could see into an open courtyard where the banquet was taking place, or maybe they'd heard that it was going on. Regardless of how they find out, they quickly make their way to the disciples, don't they, and and raise their complaint. Verse 30, the Pharisees and the scribes grumble at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? What's the big deal here, we might wonder? You know, what's the Pharisees' problem? Well, to understand this, we need to know a little bit more about the Pharisees. The Pharisees are a religious group within Israel at the time of Jesus. And they have a great concern for the holiness and the purity of God's people. And that's not a bad thing of itself. The Pharisees know that God commands his people to be holy. But their interpretation of holiness is to make sure that one follows the laws of Moses, the Old Testament, to a T. And actually, they even go beyond that. Their standard of holiness goes beyond the laws of Moses because they, they examined every little part of the law and they added new laws, man-made laws, to ensure that the real laws of God weren't broken. And so they saw themselves as law keepers and as blameless in doing so. But the tax collectors and the sinners, as the Pharisees call them, notice it's the Pharisees who call them sinners, 
with whom Jesus is associating here, they are transgressors of the law. They're lawbreakers. These are people who, like Levi, are unholy and unclean. And for the Pharisees, as if it isn't bad enough that Jesus has called a tax collector to be his disciple, now he's sitting at a table full of them and with the other riffraff from around town. Well, how can any self-respecting Jew have table fellowship with such people? The Pharisees would never go to such a banquet. They would never risk becoming unclean by being lawbreakers, by associating with such people. For the Pharisees, righteousness meant following all the laws and the traditions of the Jews and separating yourself away from anyone who didn't. You didn't eat and drink with sinners as if they were your friends. No, you kept away from anybody who wasn't as holy as you thought yourself to be. And what we want to see here is that the Pharisees and the scribes, they don't get who Jesus is. They don't get what he's come to do. For all their knowledge of, of the minute details of the laws of Moses, for all their love of the Scriptures, they don't understand really who God is. They don't remember at the heart of it, at the heart of the law, is the command to love God, but also to love the neighbor, even if that neighbor is a tax collector. And this means that they also don't understand who they themselves are, do they? Sinners who are just as much in need of Jesus as the tax collectors and, and others gathered around Levi's table. You know, in Psalm 25, the psalmist writes, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. Psalm 25, verse 8. Our God in his goodness and his mercy, he does not forsake sinners. He doesn't abandon us to our lostness. Rather, he takes it upon himself to teach us his ways, to call us to follow him and to live for him. And this is exactly this is exactly what our Lord Jesus is doing at this banquet. And he will tell the Pharisees in verse 32 that this is what he's come to do. He's come to call these sinners to repentance, to teach them the ways of God, and to call them to himself. I wonder if sometimes the same attitude, though, of the Pharisees, can also be found in our hearts. Particularly if we've been a Christian and part of the church for a long time. And one of the things that so easily happens is that we can start to separate ourselves from everyone else. We can begin to make distinctions about those we think are worthy of our time and our effort in evangelism, fellowship, and those who are not. We make separations and distinctions even in the church between those who we can and should associate with and those who we should not. For example, we might be quick to support monetarily our, 
our foreign mission fields, so that foreign peoples might hear the gospel and its call. But we might be less quick to associate and strike up a conversation with the drug-addicted and, and poorly-dressed woman down the street. We might be reluctant to get to know her as someone who also needs the love of God and the love of Christ. Or we might be quick to champion our religious rights and freedoms, calling for our separation and, and ongoing independence from our, our liberal and LGBTIQ plus supporting culture and government. But we could have a hard time, perhaps, seeing the liberal and gender-confused and, and socialist colleague at work as someone who, well, maybe we should get to know a bit better maybe even invite into our lives and our church so that they too might hear the gospel. And I don't think any of us would deny that these people need the gospel, need to hear the call of Jesus. Like the Pharisees, we so often opt for a system of separation and, and isolation from such people, maybe as a way of protecting and maintaining ourselves. And maybe that's partly to maintain our own sense of, of self-worth and self-righteousness. Now, we can so often act as if we have it all together, especially when we come to church on Sundays. We can act as if we aren't by nature the same as the sinner next door. But you know, this is not the way of Jesus. He reminds us here in our passage this morning of who he is and what he does. Even though he is truly sinless, yet he comes to sinners like these people around Levi's table. No, he's not partaking in their sinful lifestyles, and I want to emphasize that. He's not approving of their sinful ideologies, he's not ignoring their sin. But he is fellowshipping with them. Why? So that he can call them to follow him, to repent and believe in him. And we too need to recognize that so many in our society need to hear this call. So many, even in the fringes of our church life, need to hear this call. That the way God so often works to proclaim this call is through people like us who show the love of Christ to sinners in need of the same saving grace that we have been given in the grace of God. That is what our Lord has come to do, to call sinners to repentance. And that's what we want to look at a little bit more clearly, uh, focus on a little bit more now in the final section, the mission of our Saviour. The Pharisees have raised their complaint against Jesus indirectly, haven't they? Instead of speaking to Jesus himself, who they've gone to? Well, they've gone to his disciples instead. But who is it that responds to their grumbling and their complaining? Well, the Lord Jesus does. And he does this, first of all, by reciting for them a proverb. Verse 31, And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, 
but those who are sick. None of us would go to the emergency department and wait there for five hours unless something was seriously wrong, would we? Especially not with the way hospitals are at the moment. We don't need a hospital or doctor unless we are actually sick. And Jesus is saying something similar here to the, to the Pharisees. Pharisees, who is it that needs a doctor? Who is it that needs someone to help them recover from sickness? It's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick. And Jesus is using this image to explain why he associates with people like Levi and his friends. Just as sick people need a doctor, Jesus says, so do these sinful people need a saviour. And that's who the Lord Jesus is. The Lord Jesus has a purpose in being where he is. He has a purpose in calling Levi and in feasting in his home. And what is that purpose? Verse 32, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. But what does it mean, actually, to repent? Well, at its most basic level, it's to, to turn your life around. You know, that's what God does when he calls us to repent. He changes our lives inside and out. The repenting means that we recognize our sin, our disobedience, and our rebellion against God. And it means that we seek the forgiveness that can only be found in Him. But repentance is also more than this, and and that's important for us to realize. For repenting, yes, it means leaving behind our old ways and leaving behind our old lives, but it also has the positive aspect of of following our Savior. Repentance also means living for God, loving Him, and believing in Him. So repenting means recognizing that you are not living as you ought that you need to change. But those who are righteous, they don't understand this. And that's why the Lord says in verse 32 that he has not come to call the righteous. He hasn't come to call those who think they have it all together. He hasn't come to call those who think they're, they're okay with God because of how they act, because of how good they think they are, how many boxes they tick. You know, this is the Pharisees' problem. They don't recognize that they're only righteous in their own eyes. In reality, they're just as much in need of Jesus as the other sinners around Levi's table. So the Lord Jesus came to earth with a call, a call to repent. And it's a call for all sinners, both for the self-righteous Pharisee on the one hand, but also for the shame-filled tax collector. It's the call to turn away from sin and to follow. 
to follow him. And it's the same call that also goes out today. Also for us, every time we hear the gospel, every time we hear the word of God, we hear that same call to forsake our sin that we continually struggle with here on earth and to follow him. To live for Christ. And so again this morning, the call goes out to repent and believe in Jesus. To know that you're no better. You're no better than those tax collectors and sinners around the table with Jesus. Just as they had no right to fellowship with him. Neither do we have the right to even be here this morning of ourselves. You know, if we're honest with ourselves, which is sometimes a scary thing to do, isn't it? If we're honest with ourselves and we look in our hearts, no matter if you've been coming to church for 80 years or this is your first time in the pew, we know that we are ever in need of the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, that we need to repent that we need the gospel that we need the grace of God well then hear the gospel the amazing incredible gospel of our God hear then of the grace of our God Jesus Christ has come to earth he died for sinners so that we might be forgiven And he rose again on the third day. Why? So that we might have new life. He came for sinners like us. And he calls us to follow him. To repent and to believe. And to those whom he calls that he's chosen, he also gives the gift of his spirit. So that we can turn away from sin. Leave old, just like Levi. And follow him. And so I hope that you are heeding that call. I hope that you see your need. You know, it's so easy for us, so easy for us to compare ourselves to others, to see their need of the gospel, their need of repentance. But that's not how it goes. The call of Jesus goes out to each of you individually this morning, first and foremost, to hear him and to believe in him and to follow him. So don't be blinded by your own sense of superiority. Don't be blinded by your own self-righteousness. No, the Lord Jesus calls you also this morning to repent. To recognize your need for salvation and your need for the grace of His Spirit to turn away from your sin and to follow Him every day anew. And He gives that Spirit and He gives that grace. This is who our God is, congregation. He's the one who comes with a call, a call to gather sinners like us to Himself. 
to transform us into the disciples of Jesus, to make us his children. And so may we heed that call. And may we live out and proclaim this call also so that many other sinners around us may hear and know the saving grace of our God. Amen.